I'd like to read from Mark chapter 15, verse 25 to 39. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one in his right and one in his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he couldn't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Won't you just close your eyes for a moment, please? Surely this man was the son of God. Even those who didn't believe could see that this man was different, that something about his death was unusual, unique. I want you to picture Jesus didn't fight it. He didn't argue it. He didn't try and stop it. He did what he knew would make the ultimate difference to our lives forever. He gave his life for ours. He took our sins upon himself. And so, Father, we commit this day to you so that we may remember but also celebrate what we have in you. Thank you, Jesus, that even someone who didn't believe in you and didn't understand and hadn't spent time following you could look up at you on the cross and say, surely this man was the son of God. So would you help us today to really receive the word that you have for us, to really understand that surely not only are you the son of God, but you are our high priest, you are our Messiah, our Lord, our King of Kings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Jesus died for us, but why? I'm sure many of us have asked the question, can I just get rid of this pen? Otherwise I'm gonna keep standing on it, sorry. Many of us have asked that question. I know I have, I know I've had many discussions with people, I know people, um, it's, it's something that people do, they ask why, why did Jesus have to die? Why did there have to be a death? 
why did there have to be bloodshed and so much bloodshed? Why? Okay? And so that's what I want us to look into today. I want us to look into why Jesus had to die and shed blood. What is the significance of the blood of Jesus? It's really important over this Easter period to, to look into this and to understand how important and valuable the blood of Jesus is. And so I'm sure that you all know this, but I'm going to uh, just repeat it. Maybe you, like me, um, did biology you know, in grade eight, which was about 10 years ago. And, uh, um, but the blood, okay, more than anything else in the body, blood is essential to life. Blood is truly essential to life. It's what carries fuel and oxygen to the billions of cells in our bodies. Blood supplies the brain and the heart with the necessary nourishment to keep it functioning, okay? So blood does that. Yes, certain organs can die, but blood keeps us going. It keeps us functioning. It also carries carbon dioxide and other waste materials to the digestive system, which is a great picture, isn't it, okay? But if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be able to get rid of our waste products, okay? Whether it's the air we're breathing out, whether it's other things, you can use your imagination. But without the blood, we can't keep warm or cool. We can't fight infections. Or we can't get rid of our waste products, as I mentioned. And additionally, our very identity, our DNA is located in our blood. That is how important blood is. Life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Blood was also really, really important in the Bible. If you've read your Bible from cover to cover or you've read, you've spent time in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you will know that blood is mentioned and spoken about in the Bible a truckload of times. It is talked about and mentioned so many times um, from beginning to end. Some of the details are gory and there's a lot of bloodshed over, over wars and, and different things. Some of the details um, about the blood are about the sacrifices that were needed to be made in the Old Testament. But mostly, it's about the blood of Jesus. From beginning to end, it is taking us on a journey towards that end, the blood of Jesus. And if you um, even just start at the very beginning of the Bible, if we look at um, Genesis, Genesis 3, we already see when Adam and Eve sinned that um, they suddenly noticed their nakedness. And so God actually killed an animal so that they could have the animal skins to cover their nakedness. So that was actually the first time that an animal was killed because of sin. So already we see the first bloodshed to cover our sins happening in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. What about Exodus? We see that the last plague in Egypt was where um, God told the, the Israelites to cover their doorposts with the blood of a spotless lamb. And the reason for that, they had to apply this blood, was so that the angel of death would pass over their homes and not kill the firstborn. So even their blood had to be shed so that death would pass over. Now, um, God didn't say to the Israelites, um, when I see your good deeds, then I will pass over. He wanted to see blood. He wanted bloodshed, and then he would pass over. And so 
those that didn't have blood on their doorposts, the angel of death took the firstborn, and that was that last plague in Egypt. Now, today what I want to do is I actually want to read from Hebrews 10, verse 1 to 22, and I actually want to unpack this so that we can try and understand the importance of what I'm talking about. But before I do that, I just quickly want to uh, tell you something personal. Um, on Wednesday, Jason officially completed his master's degree in theology. <laughs> so, I am a very proud wife, and so yes, I am bragging a little bit, but I'm very proud of him. Uh, sometimes six o'clock in the morning here at the church till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night working, and so you'll get more of Jason from now on, I promise you. He is back. Okay, so um, anyway, Hebrews 10, I'm first going to be reading verse 1 to 4. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The, the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect, perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Please take note of that, right? So it was repeated, the sacrifices repeated again and again and wasn't able to completely cleanse the sin. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin, sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, I love Hebrews 10. The more I've studied this and the more that I've read it, it is coming alive for me because it makes me realize that um, there is so much, so much for us to understand and hopefully receive a personal revelation to the blood of Jesus. But now for us to get a better understanding of the blood of Jesus, I just want to take a brief look at the, the Old Testament and why um, you know, the shedding of blood is important from the Old Testament to the New Testament, okay? It wasn't a new thing in the, in the New Testament. Um, it actually was almost like a, a preview to, to what was going to happen with Jesus. So let's take a look at Old Testament blood. In Leviticus 16, we see the Day of Atonement was the greatest day of the year for Israel, all right? This was a day that the people came together to confess their sins as a nation. And so the high priest would go into um, the most holy place and he would make atonement for their sins. He would make atonement for the Israelites. And sacrifices were made and blood was shed um, so that people could have their sins covered. So the priest would actually go into the, the Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood around the, um, the ark, I've hit a blank, the altar, sorry, um, would, would sprinkle uh, blood around the altar and this would cover the sins of the Israelites. So this was something they did every year, okay? And as mentioned um, in Hebrews, it didn't take away the sin, it just covered the sin, okay? That's actually where the term scapegoat comes from. And I don't know if you know what a scapegoat is, but it's one that bears the blame for another, 
So if you do something wrong and somebody else takes the blame for you, they are called a scapegoat. Because what actually happened was the, um, the Israelites would bring two goats to, to um, the priest and he would uh, take the sins, symbolically obviously, take the sins of the, 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 the person or the nation and he would place it symbolically on the goat's head. And then that goat would be sent into the wilderness as a scapegoat. So that goat's taking the blame for their sins and then the other goat would be sacrificed and the blood sprinkled around the altar. And um, in Romans 6 verse 23, it says that the wages of sin is death. We know this verse well. The wages of sin is death. Is death. So anyone who sinned had to die, okay? Because the wages, wages are what we get paid, right? Or what we pay. So in payment for our sin is death. So that was what was, was actually going to happen with our sins. However, God showed us in the Old Testament that a substitute could take your place in death. So then already, he so badly wanted us to, to acknowledge our sins that he, he made a law that a substitute could take our place in death. And that was completely acceptable. That was what they did. That was what they did every year, year after year. And so the reason for the blood sacrifice was to teach us the importance of shedding blood and that a sacrifice had to be made in place of our sin. And this substitute, which would die for you, okay, so that, so that substitute is dying. I mean, just picture this, all right? Someone is dying in your place. Someone is dying or an animal dying in your place um, as a punishment for your sin. And so the animal that was sacrificed was our substitute. So blood was shed, and, but the thing with the, the animal sacrifice in the Old Testament was that it was temporary. It was temporary. It was not a permanent solution to their sin. It only covered their sin, and they had to do it, as mentioned, over and over again, year after year. Now, the Hebrew, so I, I mentioned atonement, right? The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would atone for the Israelites' sin. And the word atone um, in Hebrew means to cover, to cover. Old Testament sacrifices could only cover your sin. Now, this is very important to know because when we get into the blood of Jesus, you're going to see the difference, okay? And so this Old Testament law that God set up uh, was a preparation for the shedding of the blood of Jesus on the cross and it was his way that he was going to deal with man's sin once for all. I want to carry on in Hebrews 10, reading from verse 8. It says, First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will, he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, in other words, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good 
for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Okay, for that one offering. So let's look into the blood of Jesus. So Jesus Christ came to earth as a spotless lamb. He lived among us, but he never ever sinned. He remained a spotless lamb. Then he died a horrific death on the cross. Um, but what was so important was that, as mentioned before, it was going to be a sacrifice for once and for all for our sins. And you know that the event of him dying was so bloody, okay, in fact, that even in Isaiah 52 verse, verse 14, it was prophesied that Jesus wouldn't even be recognizable as a man. He wouldn't, you wouldn't even recognize that it was Jesus. So much blood was shed. From the whipping to the thorns on his head to the nails in his hands and his feet, so much blood was shed that he wasn't even recognizable. Now, let's be honest. We don't often hear about the blood being preached about or spoken about in the modern church. It's almost something that we've almost skimmed over, over time. You know, it's, it's, it's very gory. We don't want to, like, offend anybody. So we're very careful in how we, we speak about it. But we cannot and should not drain the blood from the gospel. We should not drain the blood from the gospel. The blood is the heart of the gospel. And we need to acknowledge it. And we need to really try and ask God for a revelation. One of the great truths of the blood of Jesus is what it has done for our sins. The old covenant blood could only cover sin, but Jesus' blood is far more powerful and does what the blood of animals could never do. It completely removes the sin. So sin is no longer just covered when, because of Jesus shedding his blood. It's actually removed. So if you have a stain, if, if you spill something and you have a, a stain and you cover it, you know the stain is still there. And if, you, and if you uncover it, you'll see that stain. But what Jesus has done is he removes the stain that no one would even know there was ever something messed there. The stain is removed completely from you. I'm going to go on reading from Hebrews 10 from verse 15. It says, and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is a new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Isn't that amazing? When he says your sins are forgiven, there is no need. Jesus doesn't have to die again and again and again. He died once and for all and shed his blood to cover, to completely remove our sins. And so the next point I want you to, to, to share with you today is that our conscience is cleansed. People who carry guilt for their sins still see the stain, 
So when you walk around with guilt and shame, okay, we sang about that in, in that first song, Graves into Gardens, okay? The, the guilt and the shame is gone. But when you, as a Christian, haven't had a personal revelation of what Jesus has done for you, you tend to walk around with that guilt and shame. But do you know what? You're walking around with something that isn't even there if you've asked for forgiveness. If you've asked for forgiveness from Jesus and you believe in him, you're carrying baggage around, you're feeling the weight of something that doesn't exist. Maybe you haven't grasped the intense sacrifice and power that comes from Jesus' blood. Can I ask you today to ask God to reveal to you that his sacrifice was once and for all and that you do not have to carry around guilt and shame that is no longer there. Jesus doesn't just cover your sin so that it's there to remind you and make you feel condemned. No, he has completely washed them away. Now, I want to quickly refer to Hebrews 9. I absolutely love uh, what it says in Hebrews um, 9 verse 9 to start with. It says, from halfway through, for the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. Okay, so there we see that... um, It tells us that the old covenant sacrifices were not able to cleanse the consciences of the people, right? Okay, so it couldn't cleanse it. Then we see in verse 11, it says, so Christ has now become the high priest over over everything, all right? Another way of saying that is Jesus came, all right? So Jesus has become the high priest, um, and then what he did was he entered, um, it goes on to say, he entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. For his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. So the Old Testament sacrifice couldn't cleanse our consciences, but then Jesus came. And then we read in verse 14, which I don't think we have up, it says that just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences, consciences from sinful deeds. So again and again, I know I'm repeating myself, but I really want you to get this. Again and again we see Old Testament, your sins were just covered, had to be done over and over because the blood of goats and calves does not have the power of what the blood of Jesus has in your life. The blood of Jesus was shed once. He doesn't have to die again and again. When you have asked for for forgiveness, your sins are forgiven, and he washes you clean. He cleanses you. So when you're walking around with guilt and shame and a guilty conscience, you're taking on something that he never intended for you to take. The devil, he loves to hold things against us as Christians and remind us of our past sins and our past guilt. He loves to tap and say, um, you know, what about that little stain over there? What about that over there that you did? Um, You're not good enough. Who do you think you are to, to be a Christian? Who do you think you are to serve God? You know, you've got that little stain, you've got that little thing over there, okay? But it's not true, okay? 
He wants to remind you of it, but it's not the truth. And we gotta start figuring out the difference between the voice of the, the, the enemy and the, the blood of Jesus and what that blood actually does. When you approach Jesus and confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And what does his forgiveness do? It cleanses you. It doesn't just cover, it cleanses you completely from your sin. It redeems you. Do you know what redeem means? It means to buy back. So we are, when we are not Christians, when we haven't asked for forgiveness, we are a slave to our sin. We are a slave. But then Jesus died for us, so he redeems us. He brought us back into his kingdom. And he says, no, I've redeemed you. I've brought you back. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have my power. You have my blood within you to walk in freedom. So when the devil tries to uh, point at the stain of sin, this is what I want you to say. To say, what stain, devil? What stain? That's what I want you to do. I want you to actually speak to the lies and say, what stain? 1 John 1 verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Thank God that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than your sin. It's more powerful than the lies of the enemy. It's more powerful than what anyone could ever say against you. But it's up to you to believe what Jesus has done for you. Then you need to surrender yourself wholly to him, confess your sin, and choose to accept his forgiveness. No one can force you or do it for you. Okay? I can't confess your sins on your behalf. Only you can do that. But then what you need to do is you need to live as a child of God. We sang about that this morning. We need to live as a child of God. And there is so much that comes with that. It's an exciting life to live as a child of God. And until you give yourself fully to that and what it means and what it stands for and what um, the benefits are, you're going to be missing out on what it is to be a child of God. Tony Evans, um, he says this, a lot of people have been saved by the blood for heaven, which is a good thing. But do not let the blood, but do not let the blood save them on earth. So you give your heart to Jesus and you surrender yourself to him because you know, okay, great, I'm gonna get to heaven. But what about what he can do for you while you're still on earth? He can set you free, he can save you. The blood can cleanse you while you're on earth. He goes on to say, the blood is good for eternity, but it's also good if you operate in sync, in, in sync under the rule of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So then what happens is Jesus becomes our deliverer, all right? And he gives us freedom from this, and he gives us deliverance from that, and he gives us peace that surpasses understanding, and he gives us joy in times of difficulty, and he takes us through various ups and downs in our, in our life, and he makes us a conqueror. He's the conqueror, but he helps us to overcome, to conquer the things that we face. If you're only looking to the blood for heaven, you're going to miss out the power of the blood on earth. You're going to miss out. Deliverance from things on earth comes through the blood. 
but you must apply it. You must apply it. It's no good if it's just knowledge. You must apply it to life. So for example, if I have um, a tin of paint over here, and I'm so excited as to what I'm gonna do with this tin of paint, I'm gonna paint my, my, my bedroom or my, a room in my house, and I can't wait, I love this color, it's got so much potential, it's gonna change the, the feel of the, of the room, it's gonna, I'm just gonna love it. If I don't apply the paint to the wall, it's useless. It's absolutely useless. If we don't apply the blood of Jesus to our lives, we won't have his power. If we don't apply ourselves to being a child of God, we won't know the benefits that come with that. We need to apply it. And so now you're asking, but okay, I need to apply it. How do I apply the truth of Jesus? How do I apply the blood of Jesus? How do I apply it? Everyone take your finger, point to your mouth, that's how. Okay? How you apply this to your life is the way you speak, is the word, God's word that you align to your heart, that you speak out into situations, into areas that are difficult, into life, into circumstances. You don't just go by um, hoping that that time uh, you know, 10 months ago when you read the Bible, is going. no, you do it every day so that you can take what you've learned, that you can take what you've read and you can apply that paint to the walls. You can apply the word by using it and speaking it over your life because the blood of Jesus cleanses you, sets you free and helps you to walk in freedom. Okay, so, Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, i.e. Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. What is that telling us? We now have access to the Father. Remember, the high priest was the only one allowed into the Holy of Holies in order to atone for the Israelite sin. Jesus tore that curtain from top to bottom when he died on the cross. We now have 24 hours a day access to the presence of God. Come on, that's incredible. What a privilege that we no longer have to wait for Jason to go into the Holy of Holies once a year to atone for your sins, to know that you're gonna walk around for the rest of the year knowing your sin is covered but still feeling the weight of the guilt and the shame. No, you can go home today and be in God's presence. You can go to work on Tuesday and be in God's presence. What, whenever you call on him, there he is. But even though that access is for free, more than anything, God desires a relationship. 
How do we access his presence? Through a personal and intimate relationship. Please can I ask you to not just see God as Father Christmas or a genie in the bottle, but as a personal, intimate God who created you, he knows everything about you, and he wants a personal relationship with you. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you believe in Jesus and you accept his forgiveness and you, have a, and you walk a personal relationship, a personal journey with him and you take the access to the Father that he has given you and you, and you do whatever you can, you're intentional to have a personal relationship with him, then no sacrifice ever has to be made ever again to get rid of your sins because it's been done once and for all. So considering the immeasurable gift he gave us, we should respond by giving him our devotion and our service. So what I want us to do now is we're going to go into a time of communion. Your communion um, emblems are under your chair. Uh, the hosts will be walking around with hand sanitizer if you would like to sanitize your hands before you take the, the emblem. But before you do, and when, when we're ready to do this, you can just put your hand up and acknowledge to them that you'd like hand sanitizer. But if I can just have your attention for a moment as I read Mark 14, verse 22 to 24. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Can I ask you to close your eyes? And I want you to just ask God to meet with you where you are right now. As we listen to the song, as we take the, the wafer and then drink the juice, it's in order for us to remember the blood that was shed for us, that completely cleanses us for once and for all.